Dee Dee Moonflyer here. Welcome to the Twilight Tonic Podcast. As always, I have a freshly brewed batch of the strange and unusual to share with you. So grab your favorite tonic, step inside the broom closet, and let's get started. Tonight on Twilight Tonic, I want to welcome Heather Anderson to my broom closet. How are you, Heather? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for so much for giving your time. I really appreciate it. Heather, I would like you to tell people what you do for part of your living. I do intuitive animal communication. So what that means is that I connect with the energy of animals and I often do this for people for different different reasons, for behavioral concerns they may be having, for end-of-life issues, even for animals that have passed on. Mm-hmm. Um, I connect with them to help, help people deal with their losses and other things that they inquire about. Sure. Um, do you also do readings for people? Are you strictly animal? Well, that's a very interesting question because one of the cool things about the style of reading that I do is that I do connect in intuitively with the person first mm-hmm. because the the soul level animal communication reading that I have learned how to do is one that helps to connect people with their animals. So it just makes sense for us to tune in and see what the person's energy is like before going to the animal to do the same thing. Okay. Also, I am working on, um, I really do enjoy the people part of it as well as a separate entity. Mm-hmm. And I have started doing some, some intuitive coaching. I'm also working toward, toward, um, well, I'm actually in a class right now that's going to help me kind of put together a style of, for intuitive coaching so I can do more of that in the future. Oh, that sounds very awesome. Yeah. That's, that's cool. When did you realize that you had the ability to speak to animals intuitively? Well, it's that's a funny question because I always think of that idea of of talking to them versus listening to what they're saying or being able to to kind of hear what they're saying. I think 
more than anything, as a kid, I was getting the feelings from animals in the neighborhood. I remember very well, my neighbors had a cat named Sylvester. How clever is that? This orange cat that <laughs> was a was a pretty much indoor-outdoor cat at the time. And, and during those years, that was a normal thing. But some of the kids in the neighborhood weren't always very kind to him. And even while mm. I'm talking about this, I kind of get choked up because mm. I remember going to him and just having this uh, what felt like uh, a telepathic conversation or some kind of intuitive connection was happening. But when I was eight or nine or 10, I didn't realize what was going on. I just knew that he trusted me mm-hmm. and I knew that, that we had something going on and he could, he could come to me if he needed anything. So that was, I've always been one of those people um, who can't watch certain movies Right. Uh, has to look away from all kinds of things. I know a lot of us are like that. Mm-hmm. But my mom always gave me a hard time because she said, you you care more about animals than people. Right. And of course, now to this day, I'm like, yeah, and? Probably at 13, I wasn't saying, yeah, and? But, um, yeah, because there there needs to be people out there that are speaking for those that can't speak for themselves. So, to your, back to your question that I kind of rolled around in circles on, um, it was it was just actually I think it's been six years now that I I had a cat that was sick with cancer, mm-hmm. and I wanted to I wanted to better understand what was going on with her. And so while she was still ill, I got the suggestion from a, a friend, an acquaintance who had employed an animal communicator for their animal. And I was like, what, a what again? (laughs) And I didn't even realize that it was something that people were doing. I think that I still thought it was in the world of woo woo. And Mm -hmm. it was through my journey with Nayla that I knew that this was the path I was supposed to be on, that, that going through her illness and her passing she was pushing me in this direction because it seemed like everywhere I turned, I was getting these little uh, coincidences. And I say that with air quotes, of course, mm-hmm. because nothing really in this world is a coincidence, but it led me to the path of realizing that this is something that I can harness. I was doing it anyway, but finding a way to put it together so that I could help other people with their issues as well. Right. What, what are some of your amazing communications, if you can talk about them? I know a lot of readings are actually confidential, but what if, out of all of the animals you met, what one has stuck out in your mind the most? That's a really good question. There are so many. There are so many different different things that I talk about with different people. Mm-hmm. And one of the most bizarre things about doing this work is that a lot of what I talk about with the clients very shortly after I've talked to them, mm-hmm. I don't remember the details of our communication, mm-hmm. but I think one of the coolest things was, was a lost cat situation, which Ironically, I don't love doing lost animal communications because it's mm-hmm. a very, um, very emotional, very difficult because animals are moving and things like that. But the, the one that sticks out in my mind 
that just came back to me the other day, but it was somebody in North Carolina. I'm in Cincinnati and she was in North Carolina and the, the cat had been lost for a couple days. And mm-hmm. I, so I connected in intuitively and I was just describing to the people what the cat was showing me. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like either a shed or a basement. All I knew is that it was kind of a messy, unfinished area. The cat was perfectly alive. I think by this time the cat had been gone something like 10 days. Oh. But she was alive, but she was starting to get weak because she really hadn't eaten anything. And she wanted to get home. I knew that. But as I'm telling the woman, I said, I just... I. I keep seeing these windows up high, so mm-hmm. a kind of shed, there's windows. Well, come to find out, she she had been looking around the neighborhood. She stopped at her neighbor's house um, to kind of drop her, her young children off at like an older, an older lady, and they were sitting there having something to drink, and they had been there for 10 minutes or something, and she suddenly hears meowing, mm-hmm. and this woman doesn't have a cat. And they opened the basement door, and there is her cat. The cat had gotten into the basement through a, a broken window in this woman's basement. And she'd been there for, it was at least 10 days, maybe a little bit wow. longer. Skin, skinny, no worse for the wear, really. Got some fluids and, and was fine. But everything that I had told her, the description was absolutely perfect. And, and she mm-hmm. was like right next door for oh all gosh. that time. And she had done all of the posters and she had checked with neighbors in their sheds and all these things that people tell you to do when, when a cat is missing. But of course, she had gotten in there pretty mm-hmm. early on and then just hunkered down. And this woman hadn't had the need really to go in her basement, but it was probably hearing the the mom and the kids' voices that mm-hmm. made her feel safe enough to, to show herself. So oh my gosh. that was a pretty cool thing. I bet you she was pretty relieved. Um, yeah, it was it was it was fantastic. But the other the other situations that come up too, I think that the most rewarding ones are when people are coming to me because they are grieving so terribly mm. over how their animal passed, or um, they have the guilt of having to be the one to make that decision to let them go. Yeah. And time after time, the the information that the animals share is just. You can almost feel the energy releasing from the person as they hear mm-hmm. the the insight that their animals are bringing to them to help them understand that there, it was their time, and it just it just brings so much comfort and relief for people. That that's I don't love I don't love those calls because it's it's sad. It's hard to right. keep myself separated from the emotion and sometimes it's, it's overwhelming, but that is extremely rewarding. Well, they say for some people, the death of their animal, their, I call them little, little spirit animals, um, is almost like losing a human being for them. It's very difficult. I know every time I've lost one, I grieve horribly for, a long period of time, sometimes for years, mm-hmm. for years. I remember I had this beautiful dog that someone tied to my air conditioner years ago. And it was so funny one night I heard this whining. 
like a dog crying. I was like, oh, my neighbor must have got a puppy. And I looked out the window and it was at night. Didn't see anything. I was like, hmm, half hour, still whining. I go outside and I don't see anything. And I'm looking, I'm looking. And finally, I go outside a third time and I look over and there are these glowing eyes. And I'm like, it's a puppy. I walk over (laughs) and it's a chow chow mix, mainly a chow chow. Little, about three months old, head bigger than its body, adorable. I bring it in. I look down and it was the prettiest dog I've ever seen. I'm like, okay, okay. Somebody left you for me. And my husband at the time we were young, he was not too happy. And I was elated. I was like, oh, I got this beautiful dog that somebody left for me. Right? Yes. So, of course, we named him Oz really quick, like the great and powerful Oz. And he looked up at my husband. He had that squiggle butt going. And those mm-hmm. little squinty chow chow eyes. And he had one tooth that he would like stick out like, oh, I'm here. I'm here. And he's like, oh, God, I can't resist. We got to keep him. And that dog was amazing. He was very protective over me and just gorgeous. Like when he was in the snow, he looked like he looked like something you'd see in the movies. He was the beautiful dog. So. He ended up with cancer 13 years later, and the vet said, just take him home. He'll let you know when it's time. Two days later, he begged to be taken on a walk, and we were both very tired. And we didn't take him on a walk, and we all went to bed. He always slept next to me. The next morning, I saw him and my Abby dog. They always came down the steps with me for breakfast, and I always got a morning treat. He was right there at my side. I went to give him a treat, and he wasn't there. He had died in the middle of the night. Oh, my God. I just got the biggest, massive chills. That dog was with me, following me down the steps. I felt him. I I always put my hand on his back because he was tall. And we always walked down together every morning. And... When I realized he was dead, it was so hard. I oh. couldn't believe it. Cause I, oh. I had just, he was there. He was solid. I thought he was solid. He was actually there. And for years, I'd feel him when I felt frightened. I'd feel him walking by my side. That is beautiful. He was, he was wonderful. And then Abby dog just didn't want to go. She loved food so much, but they were partners in crime. <laughs> And she was um, a beagle that I found and very expressive. Always told me that she loved food. She was so expressive. You would have loved her. She was a character. And I'm sure you run into animals like that all the time. The the way they present themselves, the what you're talking about, though, the there's so many things I want to talk about. Um, the way an animal comes into my energetic space is always pretty interesting. The way I, I ask them to come in, it's like they're coming through a door in my head. Mm-hmm. And I always like to give the first impression to people, what I'm seeing. And a lot of times they are quick to show their personality to me. Um, there are instances where they look like they're dressed up in some kind of way. And 
there was something last week where I was telling this woman, I said, I keep getting the Brady Bunch theme. What in the world does that mean something to you? Like, does that resonate with you? And she, and I, and she kind of paused and she was like, well, she goes, well, me and this, this man that she's been with, mm-hmm. um, they each have three kids. So I'm <laughs> like, okay, well, that's the Brady Bunch. Hello. But the, <laughs> these things that the animals get me to pay attention to, you, you sometimes don't even want to to say it out loud because you're thinking this is just ridiculous. This is so right. dumb. And I will sometimes tell people, I know this sounds dumb. I know this sounds hokey. And then it does mean something to them. So mm-hmm. the way the animals present their personalities and the way they connect to something going on through movies, even movies and songs and things that come in my head are amazing. Uh-huh. But back to the the idea of an animal that has passed, I will always tell people that one of the things I recommend doing and starting this when an animal isn't well and you know that the time is coming Mm -hmm. to just start a list. You have two different lists going. You got the one list of all of the, the wonderful, quirky, fun things that made that animal so special to you, whether it was my, my Nela, she was the one that had to come sit on my lap when I was on the toilet. No other <laughs> animal has ever done that to me, but that was, there's a picture somewhere, a horrible picture, <laughs> totally embarrassing, but it had to happen because that was her thing. And I can't tell you how many times I sat there way longer than I needed to do because <laughs> she wanted to be there. Of course, I'm not moving. Um, so those things that you, you continue to add to that list that will make you cry like crazy. Mm-hmm but bring you much comfort later. You'll be able to smile when you read that list and you just keep adding to it. It's, it's a never ending list. Mm-hmm. The other list I ask people to make is after their animal has passed and the signs, the little symbols, signs, coincidences, whatever you want to call them, the things that they see, feel, hear, um, smell, even that, mm-hmm. that, are in my mind they are visits from your animal they are Mm -hmm. letting you know that they're okay they're letting you know that they're still not far from you that they're still with you energetically right and um that people will because i I will get back in touch with somebody after i know their animal has passed and, and i'll ask them have you had some have you had some signs from your cat or your dog and I'll go, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know if, and I said, well, first of all, if you think it was a sign, then it was. Mm-hmm. If there was something that occurred that made you, made your attention go to them, then that was intentional. Like looking out your window and seeing a cloud that, that looks like a heart or looks like your cat somehow, mm-hmm. even if it's, even if it's far-fetched for you, that is something that speaks to you. It speaks to your heart. So writing those things down and then being able to go back and validate for yourself how much your animal is trying to to continue to be with you in some ways. That's helpful for a lot of people, too. All right. And do you find that people dream about them quite a bit? Or do they ever that's, talk that's to you about Definitely, them? yes. Yes. And I think those that have the dreams are the luckiest Mm-hmm. I've had all kinds of different, I'm just like anybody else. When I lose one of mine, it's, I, I don't have any special intuitive 
um, <laughs> there's, there's a word out there for this, like, like red carpet experience or something because <laughs> I'm intuitive. It's the same, it's the same kind of grief and sorrow that everyone else is feeling that makes right. it really hard to make those connections. So getting those signs for me as well, as well is incredible. And I, and I feel that dreams are visitations. Yes. I just, I will tell anybody anytime, whether it's a human that has passed or an animal that has passed. I think that is just plain and simple. That's that's a visit. Oh it's yes, not wishful thinking, but it's so much more than that. I would believe so too. When I've had several friends, and I've experienced this myself with animals, they will tell you when it's their time to go. Um, especially a cat, a cat my cat that had just passed she she let me know it was time it was a difficult decision and it was very painful but it's like they know have you experienced that have they when animal oh, come yeah. out and tell you hey you know i'm oh. ready i'm ready to leave the body and go on they what i have seen most often from animals that are they won't tell me that they're ready to go Mm-hmm. they're not going to tell me like Jane's cat that I'm connecting with is not going to say, Hey, Heather, tell Jane it's time. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. That would be, that would, that would not be the learning experience for the person to have. Um, nor would it be, um, there, there's like this, if I can explain it well, what what I'm seeing and what I hear from the animals so frequently in this situation is that they kind of show me that they've been dabbling in going to the other side. It's it's almost mm-hmm. like they get a chance to go and preview what they're going back to. Wow. So they remember, mm-hmm. they remember the clear, beautiful freedom that their bodies get to return to all well, the bodies. Basically they get to shed that right. And their mm-hmm. energy gets to go back to being this beautiful, pure lightness. And so if like any animal that I've asked this to, they're not at all scared because they know that what they're heading to is something beautiful. Mm-hmm. So the idea for, the human and what I will typically tell the human, if I'm seeing this, if they're showing me this kind of idea that, yeah, they're, they're like half out anyway. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the people will say, Oh, I kind of noticed that, that you've got a glaze over their eyes. Right. Um, and they sometimes just don't really seem to be present. And I would say that, yeah, it's almost like they're doing a, like an astral projection or something <laughs> where they're kind of, they're, they're visiting and getting acclimated. So it's like a pre, a pre-flight. They're, they're in pre-flight. And so for the people, the, I think the best information they can get is that the animal's ready when you are. Right. What they're showing me is that they understand what's coming next. So they don't have any fear. Mm-hmm. The only fear that they will typically show me is how it's how their departure is going to affect their person. Okay. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, do they get reincarnated? That's a 
wonderful question that a lot of people have. I would like to think so. I have not, well, I'll say not, have not. Only once or twice have I gotten information from an animal. And this was, so this was an interesting one that, that someone's animal had passed somewhat recently and they were very much in tune with past lives and things like this. These, these people were very um, open to the spiritual world that way. And I did have the animal give some indication that she was coming back. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was a bizarre thing to have to tell somebody because then of course you, you, you want to be able to clearly give them some kind of idea as to when it's happening. Yeah. But <laughs> it, I, I, I couldn't give numbers and things. It was, there, there were points in their life that were going to happen. There were things that were going to happen in their life before that could take place. They were like having a baby. There, there were mm-hmm. milestones. So the animal showed me in that respect how it was going to happen. Um, I do have a very good friend who, who she was one of the, the people that I was practicing animal communication on when I first started doing this. And, mm-hmm. and, and yes, we would swear by all accounts that her cat is back, mm-hmm. but I, I wouldn't say it's something that I have regularly experienced, Okay, but would very much like to. That's interesting. It seems when people are grieving with their animals, it seems to me that they spiritually stick around and wait to go before their owner is better. Have you heard anything like that or witnessed that with animals that have passed? Um, well, my my experience with them is that they, they can be here. It's not that they ever need to be gone. Mm-hmm. I, I really need to do more, more science work and understand the quantum energy and the, the quantum world mm-hmm. because energy can be in multiple places right. at one time. So the experiences I've had, and this, this is hard to explain to people when they say, well, if, my, if I'm feeling my animal close to me, which is very comforting to them, there's also the guilty conscience that comes in and they start thinking, well, but wait, if my animal's energy is with me, then are they not at peace? Right. And the way the animals have always showed me and explained this is that, no, they, they're, they can be doing what they're doing on the other side mm-hmm. as well as be present for you. It's not one or the other for them. Right. At least in the experience that I've, that they've told me. Also, one of the questions I've often wondered myself is, do animals choose you? I believe so. I don't, you know, that's an interesting thing. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever asked that question to an animal because somewhere along the line, I've always assumed it to be the case right. that, that, that we do have those contracts that, get created kind of like our own birth contract, but there's a soul contract between you and the, every animal that crosses your path, whether it's one that lives in your house or the one that you see on the side of the road or in the neighborhood that there, you do have some kind of like contract or connection with them. Right. So 
Yeah, I guess that's something I've never had to ask because it's just become the the obvious to me. It's so funny because I know. understand. Yeah, I know when I went to get Gryffindor out of the shelter, <laughs> there were dogs I kept seeing. I just, they had no connection to me. I saw Gryffindor and I was like, oh no, really? <laughs> you're my dog. You're the most difficult dog in the shelter. <laughs> and you're going to be my dog. And they would bring out That's another hilarious. dog. And I'd look at the dog and the dog would look at me and I go, you're not my dog, are you? And I could just see it in his eyes. I'm not your dog. They'd bring Griffin back. And I'd be like, all right, Gryffindor, you're my dog. And out I went with Gryffindor. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, wow. I, you, you don't, that's like at the, the shelter where I volunteer, mm-hmm. there are people that would come in and they say, oh, I saw this cat on your site or I saw this dog on your site. And that animal is not at all a match for them. Right. And they do, they do end up adopting, but somebody completely different than what they had in mind. So I yep. think that we, if we sometimes get stuck on the way something is supposed to look, if we're really doing, doing that correctly, then we're going to allow the animal to choose us because I think that's how it really happens anyway. I would, I would have to even make assumptions that, some of the animals who end up back at the shelter because it didn't work out for some reason, which mm-hmm. you know, happens on occasion. All right. Perhaps that's why. Perhaps it's because they were doing the choosing and didn't allow the animal to choose them. Right. That connection. Because yeah. I know with all of my animals, I had an instant connection with them. Well, with me, some of the, the animals that have ended up in my house have just... Um, kind of wandered to me. (laughs) (laughs) Knocked on the door. But it happened. (laughs) Knocked on your door and said, you better let me in. I'm not going away. (laughs) Do you let me in? Cats are notorious for that. Well, I was sitting on my couch. There is a neighborhood cat. This is a cat that showed up a couple years ago that me and another woman and, and other people like leave food out for. There are shelters over there for him. He... He would not do well inside. She has tried to take him inside and he's just not going to have it. Mm -hmm. So we've had to be satisfied with him just accepting our food and shelter and kindness. And he does. He comes to me. And so I was sitting and not paying attention. I was was doing something on my computer and I thought I heard a a meow. And I'm looking. I'm like, I've got cats right around me. That wasn't any of mine. And I look out the front door. I'm like, oh, Willow, hello, sir. (laughs) <laughs> Forgive me, please. He's like, vittle lady, treats, you know. And he's just so calm, like, Mao, yo, Mao. Yeah, so definitely uh, they know. They know where to go. Now, the animals, when you do a reading and the animals are with the people in their lap or beside them, do the animals tell on their owners? <laughs> funny i don't i don't have that happen okay Um, there are well and and i know because i I talked to a friend of mine that sometimes sometimes she will get more information that is a little bit shocking um (laughs) the way the animals express things to me they well they will often talk about what they're working on so this idea of of a soul lesson 
or um, that there is something for the, the people to be learning from their experiences with their animal. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much like an animal is telling on them as it is them sharing things that need to be shared to help better the person in their on their path. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So they're kind of like little teachers that come down to yeah. observe us. Yeah. Yes. Huh. That's really a cool thing. I really like that. So each animal that comes into our life is supposed to be in our life. And I feel, do they absorb a lot of our energy if we're grieving, if we're depressed? Do they, do they take that on? They definitely can. And sometimes that can make them sick. I have had those experiences. Um, I have a, a situation with my dog. I was going through some times of anxiety a while back and didn't realize how much anxiety I had and stress that I had in my body. But there but my dog was waking up in the middle of the night throwing up. Oh. And and she never threw up. She was never sick. Mm-hmm. And I kept wondering what in the world is happening. This was before, I think this was before I was doing intuitive work. So mm-hmm. I did somehow or another manage to understand that she was, she was picking up on everything that was going on in my body because she was so very connected to me that once I started telling her and doing some breathing exercises, especially before bed and really trying to calm myself and let her know that she doesn't, I had to then after I started doing intuitive work because I wouldn't have known to tell her that she didn't have to take that on for me, that I would find a way to be okay. And once I was okay, once I started to, to figure out what was going on with me, it's completely disappeared. She was fine. Completely fine. Never happened again. Interesting. Now, I know you've worked with dogs that have many problems, and I've encountered a lot of my friends that have dogs that don't like other people. And when you run into that, what are the dogs usually telling you or sending you? A lot of times it it is an energy, it's an energy issue. Mm -hmm. And, And when I, as this is coming to me, it's sometimes like an intrusion and what I feel as I, as I'm saying this, it's like I'm getting this picture in my head of somebody coming in and intruding on someone's energetic space. Okay. So anytime somebody would tell me like, Hey, if I've got someone over to my house and my dog just acts a certain way beyond just going through a procedure of, okay, well give the person coming into your home treats and let the dog come to them. Mm-hmm. There's there's so much about the energy that we bring with us that I'm happy to say that a lot more people are becoming aware of where they are energetically mm-hmm. and are then more able to keep themselves balanced and recognize, hey, the way my energy is playing off of me is going to affect people and animals around me. So I would, I would maybe need to tell my friend coming over, um, all right, my dog has anxiety 
And one of the ways we're dealing with this is asking people to just take a few deep breaths before coming in the door and recognize your, um, that we need like a calm presence for the animal. Sometimes right. it can be something that simple, but yeah, it, there, there are other behavioral things that might come into play too. Sure. Do um, different species of animals speak to you differently? Um, I'm thinking because I've I've been working with horses, horses, cats, dogs. I've I've done some birds. Oh, they're great. But when when it comes to what what they say or how they speak, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a voice in my head. I do get. Like a, a smaller dog is going to maybe talk a lot faster or <laughs> the energy that, that they bring in will change the way I'm delivering the information because mm-hmm. part of their energy is kind of, it feels like it's flowing through me. And I'll tell people, I'm like, I'm talking really fast right now because I feel like that's what your animal is needing <laughs> or I will be very deliberate and slow and articulate perfectly and use words that, and this is, this is something that does come into play. I will use words that I don't use in my vocabulary that come through in reading. I'm like, that is definitely not something I would say. So I know for (laughs) sure it's not like my, my brain doing the work. Mm -hmm. And that's a cool thing. I haven't really spent the time to notice if like horses are, are more profound than certain kinds of dogs. So that's kind of something I think I want to, think about now the next time I do a reading. Yeah, I find parrots to be the most, of course, I own a parrot. <clears throat> I'm a proud owner of parrots. I love them. <laughs> Both of my birds really did call me call me over get, to get my attention. I remember Freya flew on my shoulder. I had no choice but to buy her then. I you know, twist my arm. Had to buy her. And Maggie we just locked eyes and it was like love at first sight. I heard violins. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's like, yes, you're, you're my bird. And I'm like, oh, what did I just buy? Because, <laughs> you know, they're very high. They can be very high maintenance and they require yeah. a lot of attention. But um, and it's probably not all that easy to find someone. Hey, and we're going out of town. Can you come and watch my bird? I'm one of the few people I'm, that watch. I do. That's I do that for people. I will watch their birds. I have a small pet service, awesome. and I watch their birds because nobody wants to watch them. <laughs> I don't know why they're easy. They just require talking to, and they do bite. You just have to know how to handle them. That's probably why people don't want to work with them. Yeah, they're very cheeky, yes. (laughs) You need to be around a lot of parrots. You would just find them amazing. There's a store in Bellbrook, Ohio, not too far from Cincinnati, called the Sugar Creek Bird Farm. And they have hundreds of birds in there. You need to go in one day, Heather. You'd be in heaven. Wow. Okay. And they're like cockatoos and Amazons and African greys and macaws. And they take such good care of the birds and they educate people. They just don't sell them. They rescue and they educate the public on them. You would love them. Wow, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. When you walk in, I never want to leave. I just want to hang out with the birds. (laughs) 
And they even have like I, I, a Raven mix. Wow. Oh, they're amazing. I haven't had a whole lot of experience with birds. That would be something that would really um, go ahead and immerse myself into the world of birds. Oh, you would love them. They're big communicators. I uh, I have a friend who is, is a very big bird person. So when you said you do small animal service or you have a, a pet service. She she is one of those people that will go um take care of other people's birds and that's a cool thing. But I have I just haven't had the experiences with them that much. I've only known I think one person that has had birds that I was close to mm-hmm. and I think that bird probably did bite me, but that was like twenty years ago. <laughs> so I'm I'm happy to you know, try again. <laughs> you would be love on a different them. level now. Now that I'm intuitively connecting with them, we can totally be friends. Oh my gosh! And they will, because they live. You know, some of them lived seventy, eighty years. That's incredible. So, they have a lot of knowledge. That's what makes them so fun to be around. And yeah, they do bite though. I, <laughs> <laughs> Maggie has never bit me. Um, she'll snap at my husband because they kind of choose you. And that that would be really interesting if you would get near one and ask them why they just they choose one person to bond with. And she's nice to my husband if I'm not at home. But the minute I come home, she's all about me. (laughs) She's like, mom's home. What am I, chopped liver? (laughs) Yeah, he feels that way because he'll sing her songs or whatever. And I come home and she's like, eh. Mom's home. Scram. (laughs) Not fair. I know. (laughs) So, out of curiosity, and and I know nobody likes to talk about these things, mass farming, when you're near trucks or anything with animals going to market, do you feel what they're feeling? Um... I, I feel, I wouldn't say that I feel what, feel the sense of dread. Mm-hmm. I feel the, the darkness and the dread for them. And I will always say some kind of, I will share some kind of small prayer or, and I will send them loving energy and loving light. I know it sounds like it's okay. Good job, Heather. Way to go with that. But it's, it's what I can do. Um, one, one of the things I feel like I've learned through doing animal communication and and hearing the stories that animals tell me that being able to, to know that I can't save everybody. Mm -hmm. I still don't, I don't feel like animals have put themselves in that position on purpose. There's some people out there that say that if, if we all have these soul contracts, then technically that animal was meant for that purpose. Mm. I, my body can't feel that that's right. No matter what, Right. Uh, even if I ate meat, which I don't, I still would, would be very respectful of what the animals give up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that, that answer makes sense. I 
I feel their, I, I feel the sadness. I feel the dread. I feel the anxiety. Um, I think that's the worst. I, if I were, if I see a truck that I can't even see somebody taking their horses in a truck that stresses me out and they're not going right. anywhere bad. They might be <laughs> going to a better farm or something that, that bothers me too, because it just feels like a very stressful situation for them. Right. But a truck heading to some kind of, um, to market is the most horrific thing I can imagine. Yeah. And I, I quickly get away from it and I will of course be in tears and it just instantly really. Yeah. I'm a big vegetarian and so I agree with you there 100%. And I hate it because I feel like I'm preachy sometimes, but I just don't understand that situation of mass farming to me. It just feels, it just feels wrong. Right. Because they're not respecting that this is a life of a, a, right. a feeling, emotional being and science, all science, it seems these days, points to the fact that pigs are highly intelligent. They're they're as or more intelligent than dogs. Mm-hmm. And so why why is it okay to go eat a pig? Right. Why don't we learn to work with them like we're willing to work with dogs? I know some people are, and and there are a lot of changes being made. And I love the idea of of plant-based meats and things really starting to enter the market more just so that I know that the mass farming in my lifetime will probably not stop. But if, if we can do less of it, you got to start something. I'm, I'm perfectly content with the hopefulness that we will, we will start somewhere and we will get better at understanding what animals need and and why they're here and mm-hmm. not treat them like, like they don't matter in that way. I right. would much rather be treating them as though they have feelings and emotions. And I, I, I teach middle school during the day and mm-hmm. some of the things I hear come out of kids' mouths, I, I cringe, but I, if I can help them understand one thing even if it's about the spider that's crawling across the room that the kids really desperately want to go step on mm-hmm. that, that that spider or that whatever animal it is that has found itself in a place that it shouldn't be in like a classroom, mm-hmm. that animal doesn't want to be there any more than we want it there. So I do what I can to, to save it, to, take it back outside, do whatever I can do. And when I do these things, I know the kids think I'm nuts, but 10 years from now, they may be remembering, oh God, yeah, I remember when she did that. And now they can't imagine doing anything different. Right. They can't imagine being unkind because they witnessed the kindness of somebody. And exactly. for what? Because, because I, I respect all life. Exactly. Now, Wild animals, do you pick up on them quite a bit as well? That is an area that I really want to, Mm -hmm. I'm going to just use the words, play around with more. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of squirrels in my (laughs) my yard, bird squirrels, the occasional bunny. 
Mm-hmm. And I think what what I typically do with them and just I just have been saying hi to them because I think before what I really wanted to get information, I wanted to get some kind of deep meaning meaning of life thing from the squirrel that's been hanging out on my deck. But <laughs> they are extremely sensitive to to me and probably to everyone because mm-hmm. we they are on a I'll just call it like a different wavelength than us, especially the, the ones that are domesticated versus the ones that are um, running across the yard. And if they see or hear anything, they bolt in another direction instantly. So what, I, what I've come to understand is that any, any connection I'm going to make with them has to be much more gentle than I would be making with, with my own animal or the next door neighbor's dog mm-hmm. or, um, something is domesticated because I think they, they get a, they get a hit of my energy and they take off and it doesn't give me a chance to really feel like, like I'm, I'm going to get a good connection with them. So it's something I, I want to do more of, but I'm not out in nature as much as I'd like to be either. Right. That's, that's kind of on my, on my agenda, doing more communing out in nature and, taking the time to be able to sit still and be still for the critters around me because I definitely want that to be a part of, of what I do. You know, I would have loved to have you around this winter. I mean, my husband went on a winter hike and there was a hawk and a squirrel and I was really close to the squirrel, and I'm I'm chattering away, saying how cute the squirrel is, you know, being typical girl, you know, who hates winter. <laughs> and I see this hawk, and I, of course, you know, I love birds because I talk about them all the time. And the hawk is watching the squirrel, and I'm watching the hawk. My husband's like, leave it alone. I'm <sighs> like, no, he can't get my squirrel. I just had a whole conversation with the squirrel. <laughs> I'll be darned if that little squirrel didn't run. That hawk swooped down and had had in his little talons. I run in through the snow, and me and the bird are arguing over the squirrel. <clears throat> I'm kicking snow at the bird, and I not to hurt the bird, to scare the bird. And the bird oh, looked at me, and my husband's like, "What are you doing? What is this obsession with saving the squirrel?" I'm like, "I I just." I just sat there and said how cute it was and he was going to eat it. And finally the bird let go of it and the squirrel went under the bridge and that hawk talked all the way up the tree, watched me leave. It was not a happy bird. (laughs) That is the time I things The things she had to say about you. I was afraid to go back. (laughs) I didn't go back for a couple months. I was like... Birds have great memories. That thing will poop on my head. I know it. <laughs> and those kind of things that that I I get it. It's the circle of life and everything. I just don't want to have to see it. Yeah, I was like, drop it. Just drop it. You're not going to eat yeah, my squirrel. No, don't do that in front of me. You should know better. Don't do that in front of me. Yeah, I know. And the bird was like furious. And my husband was like, oh, oh you can't do that. You shouldn't have done that. What if a ranger came over? And I was like, well... I'm not perfect. I just <laughs> thought the squirrel was cute. I, I couldn't help it. 
No, I'm, that that brings me to the, the cat that was meowing at me earlier that I adore, mm. but he's an outside cat. He gets a hold of some of my birds at my bird feeder now and then. Not very often. I have I have told him that he needs to go to other feeders. No, actually, I told him. <laughs> not really what I've told him. I've told him that we give him enough to eat, that he shouldn't be, that he doesn't need to use birds as food, but mm-hmm. he still has quite a bit of wild in him. Sure. And last year, my neighbor had a little um, like den of bunnies in her yard and they were so very cute. And we got some really great video of these Aww. just little tiny bunnies coming out of their holes. And, and of course, then toward the end of the summer, whenever it was, we're all standing outside talking and we see Willow the cat kind Uh-oh. of run by us with something in his mouth and we all go after him and he he did drop the bunny, Aww. but the bunny didn't make it. And I had to, I, I sat and did some, did my version of Reiki or, or just some energy work on that bunny as it was taking its last breath as, as I'm like bawling my head off. And right. I, I get it. I can rationally understand, but I you know, sending the bunny off and the bunny understood too, because she did tell me, she says, I get it. This is a, this is a part of, of being a wild animal. She had no um, ill will toward the cat. Oh, that's but interesting. It was, it was horrifying to see. It is. I agree. How about mice? Cats and mice. What about them? Do the mice have, you think the mice have anything to say when they're being captured by the cat? That I don't know. We actually ended up having a few mice in our house. There was a, a little spot in our basement that somehow they were making their way in. Mm-hmm. And I used humane traps and we, I, I would take them outside and they'd end up right back of in the course, house. Yeah. <laughs> Warm and food. I don't know. <laughs> but, but I have, I have cats that just want to play with them. Mm-hmm. They genuinely like bring them to me like, look, ma. And, and drop them. They don't hurt them. They just drop them. And they were they were fairly small. But I've not I've not asked a cat about that. Wow. Maybe, maybe I need to talk to the the neighborhood cat and see how well see how he feels about the things that he's caught. But yeah, if I um, find myself in in front of a mouse one of these days, I will ask. It's so funny. I had two cats prior to the cat I have now and they never ever did the mouse thing like if I got a mouse in the house they wouldn't do anything if the mouse left on and went on the porch they'd kill it they would hunt it but I remember one year a rat got in my house and it was somebody's pet it was a black and white rat and I didn't see this one coming. My house is spotless, right? And I turn around, it's in the kitchen, and there's this rat looking at me. Wow. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I was eating, and I gave it a piece of food, and it took it from my hand. That's how I knew it was somebody's pet, because wild rat would never do that. It took it from my hand, ate in front of me, 
kind of followed me around the kitchen. And it was Christmas Eve to even make it more, you know, crazy. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That rat stayed in my house. And I tried to catch it. But it was a little too quick for me. And I tried to catch it. And I always had to pull out the stove, clean the stove, try to find the rat so I could bring it somewhere. It was somebody's pet. It had to be. And one day I'm out on the porch and it got out on the porch and my cat was out there and it had cornered it and it looked over at me and fell over and had a heart attack and died. Oh, no. (gasps) I was like, it took me months to try to capture this rat. And my cat just looked at it and it died. But in the house, in the house, the cats could care less. They would just see it. I'd give it its treat, follow it so I could clean up after. I mean, people probably think I'm crazy to let a rat in my house. But that's hilarious. It had to be somebody's (laughs) pet. It was so social, you know, come out and say hi to me when I was cooking once in a while and grab a treat. Oh, my God. That's absolutely fantastic. What a great story. Yeah, I call uh, my I'm friends. pretty sure that. Oh, and I've I've had my students have asked me, "No, no, do you like snakes?" I'm like, oh, "Well, yeah. if it's somebody's pet, yes. If it's outside, <laughs> no. Like, there's a difference to me between petting, you know, somebody taking an animal out of a a cage or a terrarium or something. I'm perfectly cool with that, but right. the outside, the brown snake, I, I don't necessarily <laughs> know that." I have enough experience to be okay with that. Maybe that's also something that I need to learn about more. Um, I don't think I'm scared of them, but I'm just not really all about getting in their business. And I kind of don't necessarily need them to be in mine out there. They kind of give you an element of surprise. And I'm sure being an animal communicator, you probably feel some of that. They're, They're very, would you say they're very predatorial when you're near them? If they're in the wild? Um, no, I, I think that the feeling that I get, I get like a curiosity. But with, so you have to look the squirrels. The mm-hmm. squirrels, if, I, if I'm watching one at my window and I'll, I'll say hello in my head to them and I'll get them to look at me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, you don't have to be scared. I just want to be friends. And they're like, uh, yeah, no. And... It, it it feels like it's it's too much coming at them, and what it feels like to me is that they they need they need me to sort of not lower my vibration, but stop being so eager. Uh-huh. And the idea of being super eager is also kind of something that makes it difficult sometimes to to do communications or to be able to tap in and connect. If you, if you want it really bad. So when people are learning to do animal communication, and even if I want to connect with my own animals, there's mm-hmm. this, this need or excitement or, and those kinds of things really, they, they mess with your intuition. They mess with your vibration in a way that the information that you're seeking is more from like an ego mm-hmm. standpoint and than being humble and a serving standpoint. Right. So I, I feel like the the animals that I've been saying hello to 
outside my house are still kind of like, you, you need to dial it back. Lady. You know, we'll be cool. Like maybe by the summer, but recognize that you're just a little bit too much in my face right now. So we'll, that'll be a to be continued kind of thing. <laughs> like you want to communicate with them so bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally want to know what they think of the yard and the, the bird seed that they've been eating for like seven years out of my feeders all the time. They'll probably Not tell you they food. want more of one kind of food. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. That is so I'm cool. Sure. And how do people get a hold of you? Well, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. So through Facebook, mm-hmm. um, if you were to type in Heather Anderson Intuitive, mm-hmm. you would find me on Facebook. And there is a, a link to my booking site that's on my website, which is also HeatherAndersonIntuitive.com. It's like all one word squished together. Mm-hmm. And they can they can look at my calendar and book a reading there, find out more information about how I do readings. And most of my readings are done just on the phone. I do have people request Zoom mm-hmm. readings, which is perfectly fine. That's that's fun too, getting to see people's faces. Mm-hmm. So either way is is perfect for me. But most of the time they will just go to my website and book, but sometimes email me ahead of time and, and that's sure. just info info at heatherandersonintuitive.com but all that's on Facebook and that's probably the easiest place to find me um, yeah. sure and I'll put those details on the show so people can easily okay. find you lovely and look you up and have an incredible reading from you um, your work is amazing and you're, you're a real joy to talk to Heather thank you so much you are too and oh, thank you. And I hope I hope you'll come back on sometime. And you know, when you start talking more to your squirrels, I want to hear our squirrel stories. I love <laughs> squirrels; they're awesome. Well, and maybe we can even do like a an on air kind of little tune in to to one of yours. Sure, they would love that. I'm not sure which one would do it, but probably any of them. They're very you know loud. My house is very loud. <laughs> I bet somebody would be willing to share some good information for you. I'm sure. Probably Fizzy or the bird. I'm quite, or the cat. Cats tell all, you know, (laughs) mine do. (laughs) Heather, you're a joy. And please, people, if you want a reading from Heather, get a hold of her. She's She's a great person. She has a lot of knowledge with animals. Also, make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions, you need to email me. You can contact me on Facebook on DD Moonflyer. You can also email me at twilighttonic1 at gmail.com. Have a good evening and thank you, Heather. Thank you so much, Dee. Dee.